my name is Morgan Walker. We're going to go ahead and get started um, and kind of jump right in. Just so you know, I have some free resources for you up here on this front table. There's a bunch of pamphlets um, titled Different Things. I also have a copy of, how many of you know the story of Johnny Harrison Potter? Okay. Um, great. How many of you have read her bio? Well, I heard a conversation. If anybody wants Tobio or Johnny, in that box are books of her story. Um, it is not a very well-known story in our younger generations. Um, and so I love to get out her bio as much as I can. Um, it's a very encouraging testimony um, of God's work in her life. So if you um, would like a copy of her bio, take a free one out of that box um, before you leave. Okay, so this is the accessible youth ministry. Just a little bit about myself. Um, my husband and our two daughters, we live in Jackson, Mississippi. But I got, um, I've been working with people affected by disability for um, probably the last 13 years in different contexts. So, um, and my first introduction of working like professionally with people with special needs. Um, was with a particular family um, in the church that I grew up in, and they had a daughter with special needs that I didn't even know they had. Um, she had never come to church with them. Um, she was not involved in any of the events. The family was very limited in their involvement because um, they could not be in the church um, often because of their daughter's um, particular disability. So when they hired me to come into their home, my eyes were open to a whole new world, um, not only to the disability itself and what this family was experiencing, but also just to the limitations that they had um, in their community, but also in our church. And that um, kind of carried me down a path that um, really broadened my passion for um, making the church accessible to people with special needs. So I'm really excited to get to do this. Um, I have been, uh, I have worked with Johnny Erickson Tata's ministry, um, particularly out of Jackson, Mississippi, their, their office there. Um, part of my work was to train churches on how to start disability ministries um, in the state of Louisiana, Alabama, Tennessee, and, um, and Mississippi. I knew I was forgetting one. Um, and so this particular discussion is not going to be on how to start a disability ministry. Um, this is going to be more along the lines of making the youth ministry accessible. And, of course, that can brought into the rest of the church. But before we get started, I want to play a game with you. Surely some of you have played the bottle game. How many of you have played the bottle game? Brad, you played the bottle game? Do you want to play the bottle game? <laughs> I do, I do, I do want to play the bottle game. Well, you play the bottle game. Oh, gosh. You can't play the
someone can play the bottle game. Sure. You can play the bottle game. Please. Uh, How do you know? Sure, I'll play the bottle game. All right, I've got two members on my team. Who else wants to join the team? Uh, sure. sure, I'll play the bottle game. Who else wants to play the ball here? Sure. Sure. All right, our team's growing. Anyone else want to join the ball game? <laughs> Come on. It's... <laughs> I'm so glad you joined that ball game. Anybody else want to play the ball game? You want to play the ball game? What is it like to play a game when you don't know the rules? It sucks. It does. What is it like to try to play a game when you don't know the rules? There are a ton of rules within our youth culture. Most of the rules within our youth culture are known by the majority of people in our youth, right? People come to youth, they typically have a place that they first go to when they walk through the door, right? They typically have a friend that they texted before they got there to make sure they were going to be there so that when they walked through the door, they had someone that they could go talk to, right? What are some of the rules in your youth culture? If you're a boy, you go play spike ball. Okay, so you immediately go play spike ball. That's a good one. What else? You don't go unless your friends are going. Okay, that's right. Yeah, you want to make sure you've got friends there. Because we don't need new friends. Yeah. What are some other rules to your youth culture? All right, yeah, you, you have a cell phone. So if you don't have a cell phone, it's kind of awkward because everyone else is looking at the cell phone, but you don't have a cell phone to look at. What are some other rules? I feel like there are some things that you're not supposed to care about at all, and then some things that you like have to care about. Really. Yeah. Okay. So some things that you have to care about, and other things that you don't have to care about. I know in the youth culture that we just were a part of, um, a lot of the students. Brad uh, worked on staff here. A lot of the students wore very similar things. Right. All the girls for a little while had on Nike shorts and Ugg boots. Right. That was typically what they had on at some of the events. So when someone walks in and they're not wearing Nike shorts and Ugg boots, I mean, they're just, I'm not in with this group of people. So there are tons of different rules to our youth culture, and the majority of them know that dance. But it is incredibly awkward for someone to walk into your youth culture and they don't feel it. I kind of like to think of it like a pinch collar, right? And it hurts when you try to walk into a culture that you do not know very well. The rules that everyone else knows, but you don't. Um, It pinches and it hurts. But how does this portray the church? It communicates an underlying message that the church is not for all people. We definitely teach that the gospel is for all people, but maybe the community is not for all people. Maybe our events aren't for all people. But is this the gospel that you and I know? So the kingdom is accessible. Let me ask you this question. Is our church the message as well as the medium? 
Harvey Kahn in his um, book on evangelism writes, the message of the Gospels is that we no longer look for the reign of of God through a telescope. We open our eyes to see it directly. What we see is Jesus and the first fruits of the harvest day. We see the church witnessing to the kingdom come in Christ and coming in Christ. It's a news reporter for the kingdom. So guys, we also see the church as an instrument of the kingdom and as part of the good news of the kingdom. The keys of the kingdom are not locked in the drawer. They are given to the church. The kingdom is not the possession of the church. Right? The church is part of the kingdom treasure that we possess. So the church is to be a place on earth that proclaims the kingdom and exemplifies it. I always hate it when I do this and I do these little fancy things and I sit at the space bar multiple times because I forget that I do that. <laughs> so here's my thesis that's going to run through this entire discussion today. The kingdom of God by design is an accessible kingdom. It is accessible because the kingdom is fully accessible through who? Jesus Christ. That's right. You and I do not make the kingdom of God accessible, Jesus says. But the church is not as accessible as she needs to be. Why is that? Because of all the reasons that we just discussed that affect the culture, the expectations, the building plans, the events that we, the church, are, or we, that we do. While most churches have a tendency to create and maintain a culture that elevates the majority, and it often marginalizes the minorities, um, the gospel we proclaim pushes us outside of ourselves. And we are to be aware of how we can make the church accessible to um, to all people. Okay, so let's look at 1 Corinthians 12. If you have your Bibles, you can turn with me um, if you can't read that. But we're going to read 1 Corinthians 12, and we're going to hear how um, it is described here. So one body but many parts. I'm going to read it, and I am going to emphasize a few things. So hear the word of God. For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body... So it is with Christ. For the body does not consist of one member, but many. If the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would be the sense of hearing? If the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, one, each one of them, as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. On the contrary, the parts of the body that seem weaker are indispensable. And on those parts of the body that we think less honorable, we bestow greater honor. So I want you to tell me, what did you hear about the body in 1 Corinthians 12? Diversity in the body. Diversity in the body. Yep. Many parts. Was that God's sovereignty? The part that he chose? Yes, he chose all the parts to be a part of the body. Yeah. 
indispensable parts, even the weaker parts are indispensable. Yes. The weaker parts are indispensable. Do we treat the weaker parts of the body as indispensable? That when they are not there, they are missed. They are needed. They cannot be replaced. Anything else? It is unified. It is one. That's right. We need one another to be the body of Christ. All right. So let's talk a little bit about this weaker part. The weaker part, um, whether physically or cognitively, are individuals who have more noticeable forms of brokenness and difficulty. Everything can be boiled down to mean a disability, right? If you think about it, diseases like cancer can be physically disabling. It weakens the body, right? Disorders like anxiety can be physically debilitating. It weakens our ability when we have true anxiety. How can we as the church understand autism or cerebral palsy to be different than these diseases and these disorders that can be disabling? So I want us to think of this as a disability. A disability is a restriction of participation that must have an impairment. All right? So a disability is a restriction of participation that has an impairment. So it restricts our ability to be involved um, in things. So in other words, because we all live in broken bodies, we all share a difficulty in this life and we're going to suffer. But we do not all share the same degree of physical or cognitive suffering. Biblical teachings such as 1 Corinthians 12 greatly shape our understanding of disability in the gospel. Implications then are profoundly influenced. So I don't think this is true for most of us, but I do think at one point, and Stephanie Hubach in her book, Same Lake, Different Boat, um, I'm going to give this away in a little bit, uh, she pulls this out a good bit, but I think this is changing, and I'm going to talk about this, that I think... At one point, we kind of had this view that disability was an abnormal part of life in a normal world, right? We pitied it when we saw someone affected by disability. Today, we are kind of seeing this shift in our worldviews, and it's still not biblical. It says that disability is a normal part of life in a normal world. So with this understanding, we tend to praise disability for the sake of disability, We fight for inclusion for the sake of inclusion. But do you see the differences that Scripture and our biblical worldview changes here? That we actually are fighting for inclusion and fighting for the respect of somebody's identity for the sake of their creator. Right? So disability is a normal part of life in a broken world. We wouldn't have disability if we didn't have the fall. And it should break our hearts when we see it. But because we know the glorious work of Christ, we, the church, with a capital C, 
much more than the world, we know that there is a purpose and a joy in our inclusion of people who are different and the diversity of God's people and his church. So it really should be a celebration for his glory, not for the glory of disability. And that's what we're seeing a lot more today. Okay, so our biblical understanding um, is that disability should not surprise us, and we should not be shocked when we encounter it. Um, I think the Census Bureau says now that like 57 million people in America have a disability now. Um, and I realize that the way that they define disability is probably a little different than I would define disability. Um, but if we take that statistic, that means that one of every five people, that's about 20% of the population, have a disability. But how is that reflected in our churches today? If we want to be a church that reaches the margins of people with the gospel, we are to be a ready church, ready to welcome people and families affected by disability and ready to pursue those families who are affected by it. So how can we view individuals affected by disability? I think we can view them as people first. I think scripture teaches us that. So one of the ways that I do that tangibly with people who are affected by disability and including including the youth students that I work with is I always use person-first language. So I try to say, um, Will is coming tonight. Will has autism. So I don't typically say, hey, we have an autistic kid coming tonight. Do you see the difference in that language? Because when they hear autistic kid, they're immediately thinking autism, 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 autism. But what I want them to hear is Will. Will is coming tonight, and he has autism. People with disability are not just consumers of our care. And that is, such, that is a huge thing to debunk, especially in our youth, because we kind of get just such a puffed-up chest when we have an opportunity to serve people, especially people with disability. It makes us feel good when we are serving people with a disability. But they are not just consumers of our care. They are more than that. They offer something to the church. Um, They have gifts and they have abilities that bring to the church. Um, Michael Beatus, this is another book I'm going to give away in in this great book. Um, He uh, has a quote in here that says, The gift that people of disability, the presence, or the gift that, sorry, the gift that people with disability bring to the church. is their presence and weakness. I may have butchered that a little bit. But that is, the point is, that oftentimes we don't know what to do with weakness. It exposes us as broken people. It often exposes that we don't often know how to interact. And we can't be their savior. And as a result, that brings so much to the church. So people with disability have a lot to offer the church. Okay, so what is a disability ministry? I'll make this super simple. Making the gospel accessible in word and deed. So that doesn't even mention disability. (laughs) It It doesn't mention disability, and that's on purpose, because it's not just because they have a disability that requires us to make the gospel accessible. Right? It's because a person of a disability has a broken heart just like yours and just like mine. 
So we have the freedom to make the gospel accessible to people with more noticeable forms of disability. Sorry, when we make the gospel accessible to more noticeable forms of disability, we end up making the gospel accessible to all people in the church. So the kingdom is accessible, but we get in the way of its accessibility. We, the church, make the kingdom seem much less accessible. So we must understand that it is our profound spiritual disability that caused Christ to sacrifice his life to make access to the Father on our behalf. When we recognize that, we then recognize that the minor accommodations that we have to make for people with disability in our youth ministries and in our church pale in comparison to the work Christ had to do to make the kingdom accessible for you and I. And this is what I want for the next generation of youth. Right? I want our youth students to be a part of that ministry because it nurtures the gospel into their hearts in deeper ways when they can tangibly physicalize their faith. So disability ministry is not about having the right curriculums, though they're wonderful, and I don't want I do think that we should pay attention to the curriculums that are out there. That's always the first question I tend to get is, well, what curriculum do we need to have? What do we need to do? It's, disability ministry is not about that. We don't necessarily need the the right curriculum. We don't need the right classroom that is sensory um, uh, friendly. Uh, we don't those are those are not necessities. For disability ministry. Disability ministry is about relationships. Is that any different than youth ministry in general? It's really the same. So I'm not going to be up here advocating that you go home um, on Saturday and then you go straight to your session and you start, we're going to start this blown up disability ministry. That's not at all um, what you need to do. Um, I believe that disability ministry is not the most important ministry of the church. But I do believe that disability ministry relates to everything that is important. So we want to be a church that is ready, ready to welcome a student that comes to your local church, ready to accommodate and support the needs that those students have, ready to bestow greater honor on those that are perceived um, as less. So gospel implications, let me see what I have on here. Oh yeah, I'm not going to do that slide. I'm going to move on to this one. Gospel implications. So with all of that said, what are our gospel implications for this? So I've kind of already walked through this. I'm not going to rehash this too much. But the gospel, when we ourselves are seeped in the gospel, we're going to ask the questions, how can I love as I have been loved? Right? We're not going to be duty focused and how can I do all of these things to make the church accessible? No, seep yourselves in the gospel. Sit um, in the grace and the goodness of Christ um, to you and that will be the motivation. Of course we want to ask logistical questions, but that's not what I want to run through um, right now. Instead, I want to break the rules of our youth culture. <laughs> All right? So how can we work faithfully to remove the obstacles that keep people from coming into the fellowship of Christ? So I want to share three tangible ways that you can consider right now in your youth ministry with whatever philosophy you are operating in. And those 
three things um, are a buddy system, thinking of things, ways that you can access the giftedness of all of your students, particularly those with special needs, hidden special needs, or very obvious special needs. And then the outreach um, that you can be a part of. All right, so what's the buddy system? Um, this is, I'm just going to tell you a little bit about these pictures because these are dear people to me. Um, but this um, guy back here, this buddy Will, and he has autism. Um, and this is the buddy system that, is, uh, that, we have in, that we have in a youth group that I worked in in Georgia. And then this um, is a guy named Ryan, um, who is in our youth, uh, well, um, he is no longer in our youth ministry. Um, Ryan passed away last July, um, so uh, we miss him. But Ryan was in our youth ministry, and that is the, uh, that's, sorry, I forgot to have this picture in there. Um, that is the buddy system that pursued Ryan. So what's a buddy system? Um, the goal of our buddy system is to provide accessibility and inclusion in the group at large through intentionality and relationship. So the who of buddies are a group of student leaders who desire to glorify God in their service to the church. So I kind of want to hash this out just a little bit. The overarching goal of the um, buddy system is to provide accessibility and inclusion um, to all of the youth events that we have. I kind of like to think of our buddies as big sisters and big brothers to someone that has a disability. Really, it's a friend, but in, I add kind of that big sister, big brother in because there's also a, a, an element of care that kind of goes into um, being a buddy as well. So it's not just like kind of, you know, I talk to you like I do my friends. No, I'm actually even more intentional than that. I'm going beyond just being your friend and I'm pulling you in and caring for you in all of the events that um, that we have. So really it's an, it's an opportunity for our students to devote themselves um, to someone that has a disability. So the most ideal situation um, is for you, the youth leader, to coordinate with your parents first. Um, some of the things that us uh, Sonny and my husband that we did in, in Georgia was we, um, uh, well, they, he put on a, I think when he would do like parent, um, kind of, I don't want to call them orientations, Brad helped me with the word parent. Um, forum. Yeah, a forum. Like when they would, they pull, like when all the, like when the students were coming into like a sixth grade parent meeting that the students were about to be in the youth ministry, he would have meetings with the parents to kind of share the philosophy of ministry, kind of what it looked like, um, and how he could partner with them. And so one of the things he added on to kind of a, a form that the parents filled out was, um, are there any specific needs that we need to be aware of for your child? Um, and that kind of allowed like an entryway for the parent to say, oh, like I can actually talk to him about this. And it actually opened the doors for a lot of different things because parents would say, well, my child doesn't have this, but they have this. And I want you to be aware of this thing over here that they have, you know, they, um, were, that we're struggling with. And so that was something that was very um, helpful to Sunny, that they didn't necessarily need a buddy. For example, dyslexia. My child has dyslexia. I just want you to be aware of that. So instead of, that, that child may not have needed a buddy in the youth ministry, but we would make different accommodations if it would help 
for that child or that student to have better uh, access to to um, to the words that we would put up on the screen. Um, kind of give it. Ask, ask mom and dad, what is it that we can do to help you and your child? Um, yes, participate in this particular thing with this particular need. Um, we would have parents. We would have if there was a student that had a very obvious disability. Um, for example, we actually joined a church at the same time as another family was joining the church, and it took me two seconds. Sunny calls me a hawk. If I see someone with special needs, I tend to be like, "Tell me everything about you." Um, but there was a family joining the church, and the oldest son I knew immediately. I was like. Has autism, and I can't wait to get to know this family. This is perfect timing. So as soon as we joined the church together, I went over to the dad, and I just, um, he was a single dad, and I said, um, my husband, I would love, we're, we're involved in the youth ministry here, I would love to take you to lunch and hear about your kids. Two of them are going to be in the youth ministry, but, I, but particularly, I want to hear more about Carter. And so that's kind of what was the entryway and his face is like, oh, you do? That would be great. You know, so we met for lunch downtown and it was just an opportunity for us to kind of share that we have a desire for not just this particular child who doesn't have a disability to be in our youth ministry, but for Carter to be in our youth ministry. And we want to know more about Carter. So tell us a little bit more about his needs. What are the things he likes? What are the things he doesn't like? Does he have any triggers? Um, does he have any allergies? You know, just the kind of the broad spectrum of things that would help us be more aware of Carter when he walks through the door. Does he need a buddy? And that would always be where we would, you know, we would end is how, if he needs a buddy, I wanted the parent to know this is kind of the system in which we would operate um, with a buddy. So when they brought Carter, it's, it's very different. When you bring a family, so you have four children, three of them can kind of run off to their class. But the one particular person with, a, with special needs really needs that extra step forward from the church staff. So somebody on staff um, and a, a youth student would meet them in a particular place and walk with them to the youth building so that they're not walking into an unknown place, but they immediately have someone who's with them. And when they walk in, they're immediately greeted by others. You see kind of how that flow is incredibly helpful to someone who's walking into a youth culture that they have no idea what the rules are. So that is what the buddy system provides. So when um, we do our buddy system, we are very particular about the who is on the buddy system. There are a lot of people in our youth group who um, would be willing to serve as a buddy, but may not have the maturity to serve as a buddy. Um, And that is a delicate line that we walk. So part of being on team access is pursuing them and also kind of getting some help from parents and other youth leaders of, do you think this particular person would be good on team access or good on the buddy system? I don't know that I've said that. The last two churches that we've been in, we have called the buddy system team access. Um, You can call it whatever you want, but it's a buddy system. (laughs) Um, So these are kind of the four things that I thought were really helpful um, for the buddy system, the who. So dependability. I want them to be a faithful team member, being present and consistent. So, y'all, that means that they're actually coming to youth. If there are students that, yeah, I want to serve, but I really don't want to come to youth that often, they really don't need to be a buddy. Um, they need to be involved and invested in the youth ministry already. Flexibility. 
be willing to spend their time at the expense of what their buddy may need. So, especially with girls, girls get super easily distracted, um, especially by boys <laughs> in high school ministry. And so when I would pair some people, I would, I would quickly see, oh, she is not paying attention to her buddy. Um, that's not what we want. We want someone who, would, who is going to not be easily distracted, who's going to be mature enough to pay attention to this particular person um, when they're at youth group. Sensitivity. Speak in a way that is positive, respectful, and affirming. That is something that's trainable so um, that when uh, they come on to Team Access, um, we provide different training times. Um, I know the church that we're currently at, Pear Orchard in um, Ridgeland, Mississippi, um, I lead Team Access. And so we have a, a, a team meeting once a month on a Sunday night where we bring in different speakers or different training topics. And so we're constantly nurturing these things into our, our guys um, on Team Access. It also is a time for them to ask questions of you, like, hey, I'm really struggling um, with this particular person. How do I, how can I enter in with this particular person? Um, and in confidentiality, this is also a trainable element, but um, we want them to know that whatever we disclose to them does not need to be aired to all of the rest of the youth um, in, you know, Particularly, like say they may um, not be great with using the restroom. Um, we don't necessarily want everyone to know, hey, so and so might wet his pants tonight. You know, that's something that we, that this guy does. You know, so y'all don't be alarmed if that happens. No, like that's something that we want to keep confidential that that might happen. Um, we don't want that to be aired across the youth group that so and so has a difficulty getting to the bathroom on time. Um, so yeah, we want them to know that they that we want them to keep um, confidential. Okay, so access giftedness. Um, the questions we can ask is how can he or she serve the youth ministry in the church? Could this particular person with a disability greet at the doors? Um, could they help serve the food if you guys are having pizza or whatever it is that you're having that night? Um, could they help in the bands? Um, could they um, help clean up? I mean that. That's not undermining someone. If they love to clean up and they love to serve that way, ask them. Like, hey, would you guys stay in 10 minutes after youth tonight and help in the youth staff clean up? That'd be really helpful to us. Give them opportunities to be involved um, with the gifts that they have. So this is a very personalized ministry. Um, and it's also kind of a celebration of who they are and helps them to see that they um, are important. And then outreach. Um, three different types of outreach that um, that I think are important to, to making a youth group accessible is one, partnerships. Um, one of the things that I love about Young Life Capernaum is that they do, they're in schools and that they are able to reach families in the youth group or in the youth um, age that maybe I'm not able to reach in the school system. Um, and if all parachurches works ideally, they are always looking for local churches to partner with. Um, so what I think is, a, is just a great way is to contact those leaders and let them know, like, hey, um, we know that you're doing this work in the community and in the schools. 
Um, we are a church that wants to be accessible to these families. Um, how can we partner with you um, and be a resource? Can I give you a card that's got our church name and number um, on it or my email that, some, that a parent can contact me if, if they were interested in, partic- in participating here at this church? Um, I have had those those leaders in my home trying, you know, to serve coffee, like get to know those leaders so that they can see, okay, like this is somebody that really is intentional about having the people we're reaching in their church. Um, another um, great opportunity. Um, oh, and then also some of those times they they offer Young Life Capernaum. I know is one particular miss that stands out, but they do respite nights. Um, so. Or they, I shouldn't call them respite nights. It's actually Young Life Night, but um, it kind of operates like a respite for the family. So if they're having one, having your students participate, like the people here on your team access, if you don't have um, students in your youth ministry right now who are affected by disability, that's a good opportunity for them to kind of get um, in ministry, kind of get their hands and feet um, where they can participate and get to know what it's like to be a buddy with someone with special needs. But obviously the ultimate goal is not for us to be going to Young Life and doing things there, but for having that bridge be partnered so that we are filling into the church. Okay. Um, Another great partnership, and I'm going to air this, is Johnny and Friends. Um, I love Johnny and Friends. Um, One of the things that our church in Georgia did was partnered with um, their family retreats. Um, during the summer, so it's a great missions opportunity if you're looking for a mission trip, um, where the one that we go to is in Alabama. I know there's also one in North Carolina, but if you're interested in the one in Alabama, it's right outside of um, Birmingham, and we are there um, the last week of June and the last week of July, um, and it's a great opportunity for you to bring your youth students there, first week of July, that's a lot. Uh, last week of June, first week of July. It's a great opportunity for them to come. Uh, they get they get a day and a half of training, um, and then there's four and a half days of serving, um, and it is a really neat opportunity for your youth group to get involved. It's also really encouraging for families to hear that you are going to these events. Oh, you care? Okay, well maybe I can trust this church to care for my family. I cannot tell you the amount of conversations that I've had with families and how that has opened doors when they hear that we are doing a mission trip like this um, and how that has brought families to our church. The other is deliveries. So these are Christmas deliveries. So this is a picture that we did um, in, in the youth ministry of Georgia. And um, we partnered with Johnny and Friends in Mississippi. Um, and Johnny and Friends sent us a bunch of resources and then what we did was our team access um, went around to, we picked five families in the community um, who were not, kind of had been on the edge of being involved in the church um, that we kind of got wind of. And I called them ahead of time and said, hey, can we come surprise you know, your son or daughter with Christmas caroling and a special gift? And in fact, this lady right here was our church secretary. Uh, and I knew that she had not only a son with special needs, but also a sister with special needs. And so um, that was a person that, as I got to know her just working in the church, she didn't attend our church, wasn't a member of our church. Um, and I, I heard she had a son with a disability. He was in the youth group, uh, or youth age group. Um, I asked her if this, if, there, if this was something that we could do. So we started, so we, we went to them, went to their house. We did Christmas service. We sang Christmas carols from the yard. We gave him a particular gift that was unique to his life, 
with a t-shirt he loved, like Christian fashion, where, you know, you've got these t-shirts with some fun quote on it. So we gave him one of those, um, and, yeah, he was one of the most involved students in our youth ministry. Um, in fact, I laugh, he was like a double dipper. He was in our middle school Bible studies and in our high school Bible studies. Um, he was so eager to learn, and his mom was so precious. She called me one night, and she said, Morgan, my son has been involved in church his whole life. He loves Jesus, but he's actually growing in Jesus now. How cool is that? Um, and then I had another mom tell me um, this was a son that had never been involved in youth ministry or church in general. His family stopped going to church because of his behaviors. They were quite difficult. Um, he started coming to youth, and it was not an easy transition for him to be in our youth ministry. Um, and I know I'm compartmentalizing youth ministry. Please hear me say I'm not saying it's a separate ministry to the church. But um, he was coming to youth and uh it took some time to transition in, but his mom said that for a few weeks after he started, he was coming pretty consistently. He would just yell out the name Jesus every so often. Jesus. 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 His brother is like, what are you doing? I mean, just how, something was being nurtured in his heart. I don't know the mysteries of God working in him, but I trust that God is working in him. And so that's something that I wanted to continue to pursue and love in him. Respite care is kind of a big task. I'm not going to go into that, but that, that is a really neat opportunity if that's something that your church is interested in starting. I would love to be a part of helping you get that going. Oh, oh wait, no, it's a different quote. Um, before I read this quote, I want to share a story about um, about our youth ministry, and then I'm going to close up. But um, one of the things that I have loved about our youth being involved with people with special needs um, is watching them die to themselves as they enter into the life of someone with a disability that they do not understand. I had two youth girls who were um, buddies with a, another teenage girl, and this particular girl was incredibly difficult. Um, she did not want to participate in anything. She wanted to sit in the corner, and she wanted to flap things into her face. Um, so she was using bags, or she was or something. There was something about that stimulation that provided something to her senses that we didn't understand. That's all she wanted to do. Um, she would, and she was stubborn. She was sitting down on that floor, and she was not going to anything the church had to offer for her. So the girls were pretty frustrated. They were like, "I just don't know how to enter in with her. I don't understand her. She's not wanting to do anything." Um, we're just kind of staring at the floor. And so I was kind of twisting my, you know, my mind, how can I help them enter in and be more involved with this particular person? And um, when, her name was Hannah, when Hannah um, came one night, she was just sitting in the corner doing this. And finally I was like, okay, where's the beanbags? So I got a few beanbags and I went over and I handed them to them. And um, I said, just, just flap beanbags. I don't know, but just flap them. And we're just going to see how this works. So the girls just started flapping beanbags in their face. <laughs> and then they would kind of flap beanbags at Hannah. And then flap them back at her. And the next thing I knew, Hannah started, she put her beanbags down and she just kind of looked at them. And then she stood up. And then she walked into the other room and she got involved in the activity that the youth was doing. And the girls stood up and they followed her into that room. It was such a beautiful picture of them <laughs> completely dying to themselves, so unsure of how to enter in with Hannah. They did it, and Hannah responded. 
that is what entering in with people who are different than us um, part of it looks like. Okay, so I'm going to finish with this. Um, I share this quote a lot with my team, Access, that service is about coming to the end of yourself. It's about leaving yourself. It's leaving your preferences and your comforts behind. At the end of yourself is Christ. It is Christ who strengthens us to labor in our weaknesses. So we all have a tendency to stay in our comfort zone and say, you know, this disability ministry thing is just not my gift. It takes a special person to do that. But don't limit yourself and don't let your students limit themselves um, to say that the Holy Spirit is at work in them and we do not want to limit the work of the Spirit in them. So Michael Begatus in his book says, The heart that rests most fully upon Christ will be most strengthened to labor for him. So as you prepare each week to teach your students, I hope you will evaluate your heart and motivation and may you rest most fully in Christ as you labor for him. So the accessibility youth ministry, it goes beyond the welcome. It says, how can we include you? It stretches students beyond their experience. It says, how can I serve the family God has placed me in? And it cultivates a Christ-centered culture. Who is Christ to me? And who is Christ to the others in our youth ministry? All right, so I'm going to, if you have any questions, I'd love to um, take them um, after I give away a couple of books. Um, So who in here is a pastor on a youth staff? Or pastor in a church. So three of you guys, four, five, six, seven. Awesome. Um, I don't normally get this many pastors. Okay, so I have. How many of you have been in the? I guess which ones have been in, on staff the longest? Yes. Four years. Three years. Two years. Eight. Two years. Eight years. Okay. This is called Suffering in 3D. It is um, connecting the church to disability, disorder, and disease. Um, it's a fantastic book um, by Dr. John Blocking. Disability and the Gospel. Um, who is who has someone with a disability in your family? Okay. Have you read this book? And lastly. Who, um, I don't want to do this with female. <laughs> who as a female has been, um, uh, who has a, a special needs student in your youth ministry right now? One, two, okay. Which one of you been in youth ministry the shortest? Ten years? Okay. So this is all saying like different folks. Fast Stephanie Cuba is another great book. Um, They're not, they come to church and so it's not like they're not as engaged. I'm 
Yeah. Um, are they choosing? To, I mean, do you know? Are they choosing not to be engaged because of the autism and how it <coughs> affects their family? Right. So they're kind of protecting their family unit, and I don't. I, yeah. Okay. That's a. That's actually a very loaded question. So I'd love to talk with you about that after this. Let's do that. Um, yes. Uh, so we have a student that graduated. Done to him? No. Like him. That, okay. Well, I think also probably he is in Both ways. Okay. Like, I think he got exposed to stuff. Mm-hmm. Does he have family involved in the church? Yes. Okay. He is now living like on his not on his own, but like mm-hmm. somebody, like, you know, a professional uh-huh. Okay. Um so his parents are kind of like stepped out of this situation. Mm-hmm. Does he like, anytime we try to talk to them about it? To give a little bit of context, does he have an intellectual disability? Do you know? Um I don't know. I do know that he's like incredibly smart, okay. especially when it's positive history and he longs to do something like that. Okay. Okay, I was just trying to get a little context on maybe what the disability is that he has. Um, yeah, the way I would respond to that, um, and I hope this isn't like too simple, but um, <laughs> is because I know it's not always this simple. Um, but you, so that is actually a very comp. So one of the things, if he were a youth student and you have a, a guy that isn't showing appropriate boundaries with girls or vice versa, girls with guys, um, and they have a disability, it is being a good brother or sister in Christ to teach them appropriate boundaries. Um, so to be able, you have, and, and to make it verbal, I mean, you may even have to be more direct to them than you would have to be to your, let's say, typical um, students in your youth group. But that is absolutely something that needs to be done. That's something that I see a lot is our youth students tend to get very um, fuzzy with their lines with people with disability. Girls should not hug. People, you know, a guy with, with special needs, the, Front, you know, full frontal hugs. They don't do that. They shouldn't be doing that with their, you know, the boys' knee measure either. So there's, you know, there's appropriate boundaries that all that need to be in place across the board. Um, and it is being a, yeah, it's being loving to teach them those appropriate boundaries. The the situation that you're dealing with is him being older. Um, I also think it would be appropriate to get him connected to maybe the young adults ministry of the church. Um, um, is it because of leadership? 
Uh, no, it's our culture. It's because our young adults ministry is still trying to figure out what it's the ministry. What it looks like. And, yep. Yeah, and, and if he doesn't feel comfortable, part of the problem too. Yeah, what I, I mean, part of what I would do is I would using the access giftedness what are the gifts that he does bring to the church um, we need to be aware that there is sexual abuse history and also very confused sexual boundaries um, and potential um, be, you know I don't, I don't want to call him a predator but I mean in a sense like there is some predatory behaviors that he has um, and if he has actually done something then yes but we need to be aware of those things so he doesn't need to be in the nursery he doesn't need to work in the children's ministry um, but is there something we can be doing with the adults where he is using his gifts, maintaining appropriate boundaries, and the right people know that this is a problem and we need to be protective? Because you're not just protecting the people in the church, you're also protecting him. Um, so you're looking both ways on that. Yeah, you're welcome. Uh, first of all, it's very helpful, so thank you. Yeah. Um, Yeah, that's a great line. Did everyone hear that question? Okay, so he's asking wisdom on what to do when you have kind of like an undiagnosed situation and parents haven't said anything to you, but you as maybe a Sunday school teacher have noticed there's something here that we should probably be aware of. Um, so what I have done in those situations is when you have someone in the church that has kind of been pointed as, like this is kind of our... Or go to when it comes to disability things in the church. Um, I don't you know, have a. You actually have a ministry leader. That's great. Um, or if you just have a member in the church that kind of is assumed some more responsibility in that area, um, that is kind of a good go-to person. Um, what I did um, in our last church in Georgia is I met just because when I joined the church, my husband was on staff, but I wanted people to know this is a passion of mine, and I would love to help make make the church more accessible. Um, so I met with all the ministry leaders on the church um, staff to say this is something that I would like to help them do if they came across. Because at the time we had, we had no one in the children's ministry that had a particular disability. So there wasn't necessarily a strong need, but I wanted to be a ready church. Um, so I, when I met with the, uh, the children's ministry leader, um, she asked me that question. And I said, well, why don't... We always want the parents to be involved in everything, and we don't want to be diagnosing. But if there is something that you're kind of concerned about, maybe we can collaborate. And um, so I did go into a Sunday school class one time, and I kind of observed um, what the teacher was doing, what the child was doing, um, and just kind of offered some tips on how to enter in with the family. Um, so if it ends up like, oh, this is really just more behavioral issue, and we really need to kind of talk to the parents and get on, get on board, I and mean, you would just handle that the same way you would in the classroom at school, um, talk to the parents. Um, you already should be establishing a relationship with these parents anyways. Um, so entering in with them to say, like, hey, we're having some difficulty in Sunday school with um, Charlie, and I just wanted to get your wisdom as a parent on how I can better engage him in class and kind of start hearing from the parent's heart on how to do that. And once you kind of open those doors, you just don't, you don't know what will come from that. Um, but yes, 
that's kind of the first step that I would go in and, um, and be very cautious with you. Um, you tell, like, that would be, that would not be wisdom. Like, hey, I'm having so much trouble with this kid. I think he's on the spectrum. You know, I just don't know what's going on with him. That's not wisdom. struggles a lot socially and um, like in school and he just doesn't know how to um, handle himself sometimes and he is a very talented musician drummer so we got him in our band um, and he's only had a few episodes where he like he sometimes obsesses over his breath and so he was worried about his breath and ran away and um and that's fine you know the band leader does a great job with him mm-hmm. um, we definitely wanted to make him feel like the excess but the same time, sometimes, um, like, if we ask all of the students to help us clean up with something or move things or, uh, you know, just help around, kind of, um, he kind of refuses because he, no, he wants to do that mm-hmm. and he's not going to do it. And I try to push him to help us. But now I'm wondering how important, because, you know, he say access gift and that's not his gifts. <laughs> you know, so many people's gifts, but that's really not his gifts. So how important is that? And like, we don't want to give him special treatment mm-hmm. in a sense because he is very high functioning mm-hmm. um, and he's able to do it. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, how yeah. important is that to challenge him? Oh, I mean, I think it's. One, I think it's loving that you're considering that. Like, okay, where can we kind of push you forward? Um, I think that's a personalized situation. I mean, as you get to know him and you're like, dude, you can do, like, what are you, you know, yes, you kind of want to push them outside of the box. Um, Currently, we have a youth student in our youth group, a similar, but she's just very needy. And she just wants to stay with the youth leader and not the youth students. Um, She's very social, very capable, but that's just her preference. Um, so when I was talking to the youth leader recently, I just said, no, it's loving to tell her to go hang out with the, your friends. Don't hang out with me. Um, and kind of push her to do the things that are always what she wants, um, but are best for her. So, okay, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, to that point, um, how important is it when you implement the buddy system that the buddy is a fellow student and not a figure? Yeah, it depends on the needs of that particular person. Um, so if it's a really significant um, disability, so say we, um, we've, right now in our youth group, we've got a 6'5", 220 guy with significant autism. Um, he needs multiple buddies. <laughs> um, and I'm actually a shadow. Um, because he's got some behavioral things. Um, he's much bigger than me. He could take me in a heartbeat. But I do have some behavioral therapy experience. So I was able, you know, I'm able to kind of help in those situations um, to where as a leader I'm involved. But I'm also encouraging the youth students to kind of carry out the friendship of that person. So I think it needs to be personalized to the disability and to the needs of that person. Um, on yeah, who you've got with them. Like in children's ministry, if you have a child with a disability, um, it, I think it's completely appropriate if you have an adult paired with that child, depending on the disability. The point is getting them accessible to their age group and their peer group. Um, there is also a time when you want to clash. It's, again, it depends on the disability. So if, you need, if they need to be like in an individualized space at times, that's also okay. Um, you're, you're prioritizing their, you know, what they need. 
Um, but the end goal is always to be with their peers. Any questions? Thank you for your time. Let me pray for you. Actually, I have one more giveaway. Um, who has a student in their youth ministry affected by special needs? I know I just already asked that, but I'm asking that again. You do. I want you to give this to your student. This is called affected in a student or family or, or family. Either one. Yeah. This is called the Beyond Suffering Bible. Um, the uh, Donnie and um, Institute on Disability Ministry put that out, and it's a fantastic resource. It's got some good stories in it. Um, but yes, so give that to your, your your senior family. Let me pray for you. I'd love to talk with you more about this because it's a broad subject to hit all the, the little things. Father God. How grateful I am to have this opportunity to speak on the marginalized and people affected by disability and special needs. Lord, your church is diverse. You've made it that way. Our world is broken and disability um, will be a part of the church. Lord, may we be an accessible church as Christ has made um, the kingdom accessible to us. Father, may we be faithful in the call. May we be loving in the process. And Lord, may we always be honoring to you and to your son for his sake. Amen. Thank you, guys.